Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to the Psych Minded Podcast. I'm your host, James Anthony, and welcome back. If for those that are new, hello, this is going to be a really fun episode, but this is also a podcast where we talk about all things psychology in some different ways and also like um, more detailed than some other podcasts get into. Um, But we're going to go ahead and get started. But for those who are returning listeners, thank you again for coming and listening to the newest edition of the Psych like-minded podcasts. Um, so today's episode is going to be super fun. It is all about attachment theory and parenting styles. So when I talk about attachment theory, we're going to be talking about child attachment as well as adult attachment, what the differences look like, how that becomes, why why is attachment so important, and why is it also intertwined in almost all aspects of our, of our life. Um, and then we're also going to be talking about parenting styles, the differences in the different type of parenting styles, um, why or how those parenting styles may have developed, and then also kind of going into what it may look like for people in the future when they are raised by certain types of parents, how that may shape their own parenting styles in the future. Um, But this is all going to be talked about throughout all the content, so hopefully you guys are engaged and ready to learn about all this. But before we go ahead and start, I just wanted to go ahead and talk to you guys about how my life has been. Um, It has been a little while since I've been able to record a proper psych-minded podcast episode, and that's mainly because I've been in my doctoral program um, for clinical psychology um, for the past, like, three months, Um, and it's actually been very, very, very crazy. Um, Definitely a great experience. Like, I'm so happy that I've pursued this part of this you know education part of my life and then this then helps me shape my career in the future it's just such a great experience but I've been having a lot of things to do so it's kind of kept me busy and it also kind of has made me focus more on the psych world so because of that I feel like I have a much better scope of being able to talk about certain things um, and we're gonna go ahead and get started on that um, and one of those things is like I said today's episode we're gonna be getting into attachment theory and getting into all the fun things that kind of make that up um, but I again like I said I'm trying to um, you know find time to actually get proper episodes recorded which is like today um but i definitely think i will be trying my best to keep up with just every other week or maybe once a week kind of seeing how things go um but as of right now i am on winter break so it feels amazing to be able to have some time to just focus on myself focus on my crafts um my art you know my music all types of things so it's been it's been good it's been a refreshing little break and I know that when I get back into school I may start having some you know busy times again but hopefully I can stay engaged with the podcast and have you guys you know get new episodes quite often um But yeah, and then besides that, um, I actually have a significant partner and me and this person are just having a great time together. Um, Things have been just so well, like the best relation I've ever had. So it just makes me feel really good and optimistic for the future. Um, Personally, I've been feeling really good, um, pretty satisfied with life. I know that what's you know my path right now is my path for right now and and i know that in like 
four to five years once I'm graduated um, with my doctorate degree, which is crazy, um, I will be able to, uh, you know, go ahead and start developing that next part of my life, which will be the full-on part of my career as a clinical psychologist. Um, and that's going to be so cool. But I just know right now I am pretty happy, content, and honestly just excited to share some, you know, some information with you guys as in all the stuff I've learned. Um, but at the same time, I'm also, you know, being able to pull from other research and other articles and things that I'm able to um, come across, you know, in the psych world with the articles and all that with databases. Um, that I've been able to pull together a really good um, gist of pretty much everything with attachment theory. Um, but we're gonna kind of talk about really some some of the foundational things, how things work, um, and why it is so important. But we're gonna go ahead and jump into that now, and I hope you guys are excited. All right, everyone. So. Attachment theory. It is a beast of a theory, but it is definitely very, um, I would say, evidence-based. Uh, it has a lot, a lot, a lot of research done with, um, and it's been developed over a long period of time. So attachment theory technically just explains the interpersonal relationships that we develop with other people, that we develop with other individuals in our life, um, but more so how they emerged from an early life experience, like growing up in childhood and through the relationships that we have with the people who take care of us growing up. Um, and it explains quite a lot as we get into more detail. So there are basically two ways that um, attachment theory looks at relationships. It's gonna look at relationships as either secure or insecure. Um, typically when we develop secure relationships, we have the healthy ability to form stable and, and proper relationships, things that are able to be communicated with one another, good at communication, like that's one of the best things you can say about a secure relationship, is they have good communication with one another, they're able to resolve interpersonal conflict with one another um, and technically they have some of the most like fulfilling relationships they tend to have a more happy optimistic view of their relationships um, when we're looking at insecure relationships though those are individuals who have difficulty forming and maintaining relationships so it could be through a variety of things um, poor communication um, it could be withdrawing from people, like trying to self-isolate whenever things get too difficult to talk about. Um, but it also has to do with insecurity within relationships and um, how hard it can be for one person to feel uh, emotionally intimate or emotionally vulnerable with other people. So there is a pretty important impact to um, clarify when it comes to both secure and insecure relationships. Um, when you think of insecure relationships or insecure attachments, um, these are individuals who typically are more linked to uh, or prone to depression, anxiety, possible substance use, and they could even develop medical problems um, that are somaticized. Um, but typically, uh, it does lead to some of the worst 
um, aspects of like health in the future. Um, when it comes to a secure attachment or secure relationships, typically the individual's overall well off. They're not really um, experiencing depression. Usually anxiety is low. Um, substance use typically doesn't happen as much with secure attachment individuals. Um, and um, typically there's no somatization with any um, psychological that turns into physical pain. Um, so when we're looking at secure and insecure, secure is typically the one that people would prefer in the sense of, you know, having to avoid certain stressors or having these, you know, prone abilities to, or being prone to, um, you know, particular issues in the future, even mental health and, you know, physical issues in the future. So just a background, you guys, of attachment um, it, as a self, as a theory, technically has been alive for so, so long. It's been around in the idea of pop culture as well as academia. Um, there is a wide use of it in developmental psychology and child psychology. Um, and it was originally intended um, to understand the psychopathology um, behind certain disorders. Um, but it is also a very, very useful and common factor in um, all types of different therapies. Um, it is looked at as one of the main factors in psychodynamic theory and psychodynamic therapies. Um, and we'll talk about that at a different episode, um, just because there is so much information as how psychodynamic theory and attachment theory are intertwined. So. We'll get on that on a whole nother time, but but for now, I want you guys just to keep that in mind because that is all really prevalent to why we, we talk about it so much, why we see it playing such an influence in psychology. Um, so we'll see uh, at that episode what we have to say about it. So in the beginning of the idea of attachment theory, there were a few individuals that had been working with this idea of um, childhood relations, like anything that had to do with childhood experiences, um, having to do with the big aspect of um, how we've developed and what we end up, you know, looking for in relationships in the future. So for those individuals, some people that we should really keep in mind would be Melanie Klein. Um, she was a very big driver in the idea of object relations, which essentially means that an infant views the mother as either all good or all bad. Um, and sometimes they may not be able to integrate um, that individual into a whole um, in the sense as like a whole thing, not like, you know, um, and as a way to stay attached to them. So sometimes it's like as if some, when you're younger, you're looking for individuals that were, you know, fulfilling your needs um, and you look for them in the future to then fulfill your needs in the future, which would be an idea of object relations. Um, then when it comes to another individual, we've seen this done with, if you've, if you're in psychology, you most likely have heard this theory or sorry, theory, this study, you've most likely talked about it. Um, it was about the monkeys. Um, it was the individual named Harry Harlow. He did the experiment, um, where he had monkeys, um, like animals that were, um, in a cage they were basically either given a cloth mother or they were given a wire monkey mother which would be the fact that um you know the the way that it's built whether or not it's warm or whether or not it's cold um 
and they looked at this and they were like okay it seems that the monkeys prefer the cloth mother over the wire monkey mother because um it gave them warmth and it gave them that sense of security and it made them have this idea of okay i have a secure attachment to this you know caretaker um so that was the big experiment um but it was just so interesting to see that but um this is just an early idea of what it was when looking into attachment another individual who is honestly the main individual in the idea of attachment theory his name is john bowlby um he actually was a student of melanie klein's um, but did not agree with her theory um, and actually thought that experiences led to the problems that we develop um, as we get older um, so his theory were that children are born with an inborn need for attachment and a motivation system that helps them form such connections with others um, so in an evolutionary idea of it, it would be that children who bond with their caregivers are more likely to survive, which is pretty interesting, right? Um, but yeah, this individual was a, a big uh, front runner in this idea of attachment theory. Now, there are some tips that you could technically take from that would under that would help to form secure relationships or secure attachments that would be like rapid and um, fast responses to distress from the child it could be um, having a calm and um, you know kind demeanor to the child um, being you know or setting pr predictable routines something that they can look forward to that is pretty routine for them um, and being able to have back and forth with communication um, more so where you allow the child to have partial you know like it, like they need to have their own voice but they also need to understand that you're going to help them with any moments of distress or anxiety or fear um, and those those aspects really help to develop a secure relationship or secure attachment if say you are a new parent or say you are you know uh, you know you just have got a new baby sister you know what I mean um, and but at the same time you have to be able to take into account what the child needs to be able to help the child the most and again, there are other factors as to what leads to insecure attachment. Just like there were for secure attachment, there are factors that could lead to insecure. That would be um, possibly um, insecure attachment with the uh, parent. Um, the parent is insensitive to the child. The parent could be abusive or neglectful to the child. Um, and there could be disruptive communication between the parent and infant. So it could be that the parent is yelling at the infant or that the parent ignores the infant um, and that can definitely um, invoke a insecure attachment within the child but when it comes to the different types of attachment styles that we see within children and adults they actually differ so there are actually four attachment styles within children and four attachment styles within adults um, and when it comes to the attachment styles within children, um, it is actually slightly different than what it is with the adults. So when we're looking at attachment with children, we can think SAD, S-A-A-D. So that would stand for secure, ambivalent, um, anxious avoidant, and disorganized. So those actually go in a range. So you can think of it like a grid where you have um, one section on the top left hand 
um, and then it goes from the left to right, bottom or top to bottom, it would go S-A-A-D. So it would be secure in the top left, and then it would be the ambivalent in the top right, and then you'd have anxious avoidant in the bottom um, left, and then you would have dis, uh, sorry, disorganized in the um, bottom right. Um, and that would be the particular way to view it as to see which is best and which is worst. Typically, when we're talking about the attachment styles, the best one to have, of course, would be a secure attachment, um, and then it would go ambivalent, and then it would go avoidant, and then disorganized. Um, and it can be a many, a multiple, a multitude of things that have led to that particular um, attachment, but in the long run, they can be changed over time. So say if a child had a secure attachment growing up, but then all of a sudden things change halfway through their life, they could end up developing um, an ambivalent attachment as things go on. But typically kids usually stick with one throughout the childhood experience and then go into adulthood with a possible possibility of a difference. Um, so when it comes to adult attachment, you can think SPDF, which means secure, preoccupied, dismissing, and fearful. And again, um, I try to say to visualize that on that grid aspect, um, but I again will kind of talk more about that as we get more into the different types of like what they mean, but I just wanted you guys to have an idea of what they are first. Um, and when we get into the parenting styles, you will also see how um, some of these are, you know, come to be how kids develop those from just parenting styles mostly and the experiences that they get from um you know seeing the world and seeing what the parents have to you know give them as in are they going to fulfill their needs as a child um so we're going to go ahead and get into the parenting styles now that way we can go ahead and talk more about that So there are four parenting styles that we're going to be talking about. These are the four main parenting styles that we see throughout different types of parents. Um, it could be, you know, a single parent, um, parents that, you know, you have both parents. It doesn't really matter that type. It's more about the individual and how they choose to parent the, the child. So we're going to go ahead and talk about the, um, I would say, I guess the, the, the best, um, parenting style down to probably the worst parenting style and we're saying this as a ranking system of how better off the child ends up being with these particular parenting styles so the first one would be the authoritative parenting style so these individuals are high in affection they are high in being responsive to their child they're warm and they're nurturing um, they are also particularly high in control um, so they also uh, encourage independence but they place limits on behaviors right they're also high on demands so they clearly communicate limits consequences and explain follow-up punishments if it were to arise um, and they are also involve their children in decision making um, and typically with an authoritative parenting style the child ends up developing a secure attachment style Whereas the child develops healthy limits, they have good self-esteem, and they have high functioning. 
when it comes to authoritarian parenting this in authoritative and authoritarian are different just don't forget the two um, think of the authoritative which was the first one that i talked about as v for victory that's the best one right but then authoritarian um, we can think out of the two this one may not be the best one because it doesn't have the victory right so we have the authoritarian parenting style where is the parent is low in affection towards the child they are also low in responsiveness with the child um, they could possibly be lacking support or show limited affection they could be cold to the child um, but then when it comes to their controlling you know parts and the demands that they have for their children they are both high in control and in demand so the parents are typically strict they're controlling possibly punitive which just means that they um, put on punishment um, and then when it comes to enforcing consequences they consistently do it but they do not explain their reasons for it and they also do not allow much room for compromise with the child um, they also demand that the child obey their you know requests or demands without question or because i said so which is you know such a common um you know kind of response from certain parents and we all have you know that parent so don't don't get it wrong you know but um yeah so this often results in a dismissive attachment style from the child when the parent has an authoritarian parenting style so the next one um, is another very common one and this one um, is the permissive parenting style which means that the individual is high in affection and they're high in responsiveness to the child they're affectionate they're communicative they're warm um, they may spoil or indulge the child um, but they are very low in control and demands so the parents do not or cannot enforce limits um, they also kind of give the child more power power in situations um, and they give little guidance not too much guidance they may not fully be there for the child um, so they may act as best friends with their with their children rather than their parents um, and they may give their child a parentified role as a child they may end up pushing onto the child that you are going to have to be your own parent or you may have to parent other siblings or you have to take on that responsibility which then could lead to a preoccupied or fearful attachment style um, and then when it comes to setting limits for this kind of parenting style um, they usually do not set much limits they have a fear in setting limits as they think the child may reject them um, and it also shows that um, they may try to do the opposite of their parents. So say the um, individual had an authoritarian parent, um, but then they decide to be the opposite. So they end up developing a permissive parenting style, which then gives their child a preoccupied or fearful attachment style. So everything is pretty much intertwined and the way that one thing affects another is very, very clear here with attachment theory. So the last parenting style would be the disengaged parenting style. This would be that the, the parent is low in affection. They're also very low in responsiveness. So they may reject the child or say very hurtful things to the child or may blame the child for their own problems. They may be abusive or neglectful. And then when it comes to the controlling and demanding part of things, um, they are low in control and demands. They show little investment as being a parent. They um, may see the child as a burden 
burden or that they are you know something that they could have gone without um, and then they also are really erratic with discipline so they could be you know not caring at one moment but then be very um, you know force like like uh, enforce like punishment on them um, at another moment which is just you know super erratic inconsistent um, and it may um, maybe unable to care for the child because they have other things going on like say they are dealing with other mental health issues or physical issues um, but typically these children end up developing a preoccupied or a dismissing um, a dis disorganized um, attachment style as a child um, which is again no fair for the child um, and in the end with all of these things especially attachment theory and parenting style um, the child is typically the victim in the situation. They're the one that ends up having to bear the burden of that particular parenting style. And they're the ones that have to deal with growing up in life with a particular attachment style due to what they've been, they've seen and um, have had to gone through as a child. Um, so again, these are all things that are very important and they're very real. And that's the other thing that we have to keep in mind is that we can't turn a blind eye when it comes to being your child's advocate you have to be there for your child you have to do the very best you can you know and at that point um you know i i feel for people out there that you know have had really disengaged parents um people that you know kind of just aren't there for them um, because that's got to be a lot tougher going through life in that way so before we end up wrapping up all the content for today's episode, we are definitely going to talk a little bit more on the particular child attachments and the, the particular adult attachments, um, the ones that I had already kind of prefaced for you guys. Um, and we're going to kind of just give a little brief rundown on these because um, they actually are you know, pretty lengthy as in the particular, you know, symptoms and things that are shown with these particular attachments. Um, but there are some very key factors that I want to highlight for you guys with each, with each of them. So when we're talking about child attachment and we're talking about secure attachment, um, these children are typically low in anxiety. Um, so they have low anxiety that someone will, um, you know, not be able to take care of their needs. Um, and they have low avoidance so they are more willing to um, you know be um, around other individuals and engage with under ind other individuals um, but individuals like children that are uh, with a secure attachment actively explore the environment either alone or with their mom um, and they prefer their mother to strangers um, but they're friendly to strangers like I had said um, and then there is this um, distress that happens when the child leaves the mother or, um, you know, when she or when the mother is like, you know, gone for some reason, um, the child will show distress. But then when she returns, she's typically or the baby is typically much happier and um, is easily able to emotionally regulate back to what they were feeling before. When it comes to the insecure attachment, though, typically the caregiver did not or was not able to provide the essential um, necessary parts of a secure attachment. Um, typically, the infant learns unhealthy strategies to survive and cope, typically develop anxiety, have um, bad avoidance, and sometimes can lead to a disorganized or disorientated um, view or um, attachment. 
when it comes to the ambivalent attachment, um, typically it is inconsistent parents who are either unresponsive or overly intrusive. Um, and their expectation is that others would not be responsive to their needs. Um, so instead, what they do is they devote energy to keeping others close and engaged. When it comes to the uh, anxious avoidant one, um, that is typically that the parents were cold or unresponsive to the child's needs um, and that their expectation is that others cannot help them. And so what they do is they avoid social contact and intimacy in order to protect themselves. Now with the last one of the child's um, attachments, that would be the disorganized or disorientated style. Um, and this may be that they've developed it from, you know, a fright, from a fright, for like being scared of a, of a attachment figure, um, or it could have been a result of trauma, abuse, or a parent who was disturbed and not there. Um, and so they really don't have an, a strategy for managing their anxiety. Um, instead, they may show a blend of avoidant and ambivalent behavior. Um, and sometimes they may appear like strange in a sense, like they may seem off put by things, um, but just not the typical child behavior that we see. So going into the adult attachments, these ones look pretty different. Um, but again, this is something that develops after, you know, childhood attachment, kind of from childhood attachment into adult attachment is what we get from adult attachment. So again, we got secure, preoccupied, dismissing and fearful. Um, when it comes to these ones, they are quite different um, and they have quite a lot of differences. Um, but I actually have a really nice put together list list of you know typical things that we see with these particular attachment theories or attachment styles and we're going to go ahead and just kind of rattle them off for you so that way you can get a good idea of what each of these are so with a secure attachment people feel confident connected comfortable and secure in their relationships and in maintaining them so these people are more open to receiving and expressing affection and warmth towards their partners they typically have a higher sense of independence, both for themselves and their partners. They're good with reaching out for and giving support when needed. They're good at communicating. They're good at resolving interpersonal conflicts. Um, they can easily recall and discuss painful experiences. Um, they are able to regulate their emotions effectively and appropriately. Um, and they have a history of supportive, responsive relationships and parents. Typically, they are warm, stable, and supporting. Um, and they um, typically end up developing very secure and strong relationships in the future. When it comes to preoccupied, that would be that they are possibly quick to fall in love or crave emotional affection and intimacy, even if it is in unhealthy situations. They are quick to attach and have an over-dependence uh, over for their partner. Um, they're typically a little awkward or goofy towards others, their parents or romantic partners. Um, they also seek um, dependence or um, they, they look for reassurance from parents, partners and others. Um, they get anxious when they do not receive things that fulfill their needs. Um, and typically this again is caused by parenting that was high in affection and responsiveness and possibly indulge the child. Um, then when it comes to avoidant, this is the third attachment style. 
Um, it would be that the individuals are not comfortable with emotional intimacy and um, they are typically not emotionally vulnerable with their partners. Um, they typically are seen as cold or introverted or competitive. Um, they typically pull away or push others out who are close to them like romantic partners. Um, they are quick to leave when they are hurt or rejected by others and usually they have trust issues. Um, they also tend to be more self-reliant and then when prompted with danger, they focus on self-protection. When it comes to the disorganized, and this is the last one, also the most um, troublesome attachment would be the disorganized attachment, which is where they're scared of commitment and trusting in others, both with romantic partners and any other person that they run into. They typically crave emotional intimacy, but they tend to push others away. They tend to deny their feelings and often do not express them, which can lead to an estranged relationships with people in their lives. Um, and again, they typically grew up with parents who were low in affection and responsiveness. They were just were not there for the child at all. Um, this could also um, have uh, like, a like this kind of attachment theory or style can typically lead to schemas of rejection or abandonment in the future. Um, and they have a higher likelihood to be submissive and exploitable. Um, so again, you could possibly see why that would be the worst attachment style to have. Um, but again, it's not to say that these attachment styles cannot change. It is actually uh, proven that people are able to change their attachment styles, um, but it does take a lot of interpersonal work. And typically interpersonal therapy is good with that because that would help you to help assess and change current relationships that you have. Um, and really help strive for better ones in the future. Um, but I hope you guys got a really good gist of the idea behind attachment theory, the differences in attachment styles, the differences in parenting styles, and how really each of these intertwine and can lead to one and another. So I hope you guys really enjoyed. And if you have any ideas for future uh, episodes that you want to hear about, please comment um, on whatever platform you're listening on and give this a thumbs up. And also, if you're new, subscribe um you know follow this channel that way we can go ahead and um you know continue to share these psych-minded um ideas and the psychology behind the world together all right guys before we finish we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this episode with our final segment which we've been doing for a while now and that is mood music and that is basically what music i've been listening to that's inspiring my mood making my life better <laughs> as in like brightening my day um, giving me optimism or giving me some sort of feeling that I carry into my mood. Um, and what it is, and it's just one big album, but that's because I've been obsessed with this album as of recently. And it's really the only one that I've been listening to kind of on a repeat or, you know, having, you know, on and off here or there. And that is Women in Music Part 3 by Haim. They are just amazing, and I love that their name means life. It is just so 
great like it, it just makes you feel optimistic and happy it also puts in those really really light and melodic sounds things that you could listen to throughout the day that would keep your mood at bay like pretty centered and calm um but i just love it i really think you guys should give it a listen some of my favorite songs off the project would be up from a dream um leaning on you summer girl now i'm in it the steps los angeles all of those just such such good music um but i really hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and give our mood music segment a little listen if you're curious to see what those songs are um and again i can't wait to share the next episode with you guys um on the psych-minded podcast so i will see you guys all later have a great rest of your day or night and i'll see you guys all in the next episode bye guys